Good to see you today. Uh, we show in that video because uh, at the end of this month, um, uh, I, I've got a good friend of mine, Floyd McKee. He is the senior pastor of Rancho uh, Village Baptist Church in Oklahoma City. He's going to be with us and, and, and preaching to us that morning and telling us about, but also he works with the foundation. Uh, one of the reasons why the foundation is so near and dear to his heart is that where their church is at in Oklahoma City went through a big change. Uh, a lot of people uh, you know, it used to be a really uh, strong church, but then people started moving out of town, uh, and different people groups started moving in town, and their, cha- their church has changed tremendously, but the reason why their church's doors are open today is because of legacy giving. Uh, people who have... Um, who set up different things and endowments and different things uh, to to give to the church, and the church is open today because of that. Uh, the foundation has a lot other things uh, besides just a, a state planning and different things like that. But anyway, uh, the foundation is going to be here with us that Sunday, uh, and they are going to cater a lunch for us. So we are going to do a sign-up. <laughs> for a church that doesn't sign up for anything, we are going to do a sign up. So if you want to be here for that lunch that day, we'll, we'll have that sign up sheet up next week and we'll start planning for that. Uh, and then they will be here, uh, uh, Floyd and uh, an- another gentleman will be here to talk about uh, the foundation and what they do and, and how uh, they can help you uh, with different things in, in your life. So, uh, so we look forward to that. Lots going on here at the church this month. It's exciting. Uh, and, and God is God is just blessing us, and uh, what a glorious day, uh, Lorraine. Where, where's Lorraine? There she is. How was that water? Nice. All right. Well, it was nice being up there with you. It's awesome. Good day. Uh, this morning, I got a question for you, and we got several questions that we'll talk about. But uh, this morning, one of the questions is, what do you get a person that has everything? You ever, you ever had that problem? You got somebody that you know that you need to get a birthday gift or a Christmas gift for, but they're just that person that has everything. And what do you get them? If there's a struggle in, in, in coming up with something good for them to know. Think about this. What do you get God? Don't be giving away my sermon, Wanda. What do we give God? You know, I saw a tweet uh, this last week. It said this. It said, uh, I am an adult. I can eat whatever I want, whenever I want. And I wish somebody would take this power from me. (laughs) You know, when we get to... We get to certain parts, uh, points in our lives, uh, we start asking questions. We start, we start asking big questions, the, the adult questions. You know, uh, why am I here? Is there a, a God? Or, uh, what, what is the purpose of my life? Is there more to this life than setting goals and achieving them? But be careful when you start asking these questions and when these questions pop up in your mind because here's the truth about it. When you ask yourselves these questions, then you're going to have to come up with an answer. What, why am I here? What's the purpose of life? Is there God? What 
does God want with me? I uh, studied some psychology in college, and in some of the psychology classes, they 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 have uh, they have times where they do different things, show you different case studies, and uh, ask the students to uh, talk about and and reason and come up with uh, you know why people would do uh, the certain things like this. So I thought it'd be fun. I'm going to give you a couple of case studies this morning. All right, here's one. John, he's a 32-year-old engineer. Uh, He is an admitted um, history nerd, and he loves to go to estate sales. So one weekend, he goes to a estate sale in South Carolina where they are selling uh, this uh, colonial home and all its its things all together. So it's an all-inclusive estate sale. He he walks through uh, the 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 property and lays it. The the house is a very run down old uh, old old home. Uh, in it, though, he notices uh, a bundle of old rifles that appear to be from the Civil War era. And then, taking his pocket flashlight, he goes down into a basement where he finds a roll top desk. Inside the roll-top desk, he finds a false drawer. And in that false drawer is a leather pouch. And in the leather pouch is 22 gold coins that appear to be uh, minted by the Confederate Army. What should he do? He has $10,000 in the bank. If he sells his house, everything is owned, his car... Uh, he believes that he can come up with the expected bid to win, which is expected to be about $95,000. What should he do? What would you tell John he should do? Second case study is this. Amy, 26-year-old college arts professor at a community college, uh, has saved up her life to, to take a European trip. She, she, in this, this summer, she is in a small, uh, town in France. While going through this town, they notice that there is an auction of the local town. Different families from the town have brought together different items to sell to raise money for a new school. One item in particular catches her eye. It is a copy of a Picasso. It is determined that uh, it is a non-original because the signature at the bottom is different from the other works that Picasso did. But Amy did her master's thesis on Picasso. And she was aware that uh, in the first year of his work, he did not sign his name, but he only put his initials. She... She studied the painting very carefully and and concluded that she thought it was an original Picasso and a priceless piece of artwork. The asking price at the auction was $25,000, which was a joke to what this could actually be worth, but it was even more of a joke to her income. If she sold her car, her small art collection that she had and withdrew her entire savings of $600, she 
She thinks she could come up with the 25000 What should she do? What would you advise her to do? Well, it comes down to risk, doesn't it? If the, if the coins are phony and John sells everything he has to get this run-down property, do you think his wife will kill him? What about uh, Amy? Amy, if she sold everything she had to get this Picasso and it turned out not to be an original, do you think she would enjoy living in France forever? I doubt it. After the students discuss these, uh, these case studies, then the professor always brings out the second sheet and it tells, it tells you what, what happened. And it turns out that gold coins were real and worth 25 to $35 million. Now what would you tell John to do? The Picasso turned out to be real and it sold for $100 million. Wow. It's good to be on the back end and to see different things in, isn't it? You know, these case studies show us different things and brings up different things in, in reasoning and in what we're coming up with. There's, there's a couple different factors that I want you to point out from these case studies that we need to know. First of all, in making decisions, you've got to know the truth. The truth. Man, you know, there's a reason why the Bible says the truth will set you free. Amen? Uh, in knowing the truth and, and having the truth, it's easier to make a decision, isn't it? Now, but the second thing is that uh, the truth always doesn't, doesn't get us to the point that we need to, to know. We, we can know something is true and we can still not do it because the risk is too, the cost is too deep. So there's a second factor to both of these stories that, uh, that, that, that brought these people to this in instance in the first place. And that is knowledge. You know, the, John had knowledge of history. He knew the, the, the art and he knew, uh, he knew the, the time frame and the things that there were, that looked and seemed to be real. He had the knowledge about that. Amy also had knowledge. She had studied the art, specifically of Picasso. She knew his work, so she had this knowledge that other people didn't have. To make this decision, there was truth and there's knowledge that comes in. But truth and knowledge don't always get us to the point that we need to be in making life-altering decisions, do they? Ultimately, it comes down to one thing. Truth and knowledge help us get to a place of faith. Faith. It took faith to go out on that step and take that next step and, and move to a place where they believed something greater was going to be. It was faith. By, by counting the cost, looking at the risk, is faith that moved them to do something that many people would not do. True courage comes from faith. Making decisions, especially life-altering decisions, comes down to faith.
Jesus teaches us about risk and reason in Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13, looking at verses uh, 46 or for, uh, 44 through 46, Jesus has a parallel story, uh, parallel uh, um, uh, stories that he he is talking about, and and they're they're little parables, really short, really small, but they get to the point of what we're talking about this morning. Matthew, you know, and in this time, before this time, uh, Jesus uh, had gotten to the point in his ministry that, uh, you know, he, he, he'd done the miracles, he'd, he'd, he'd fed the 5,000, he'd, he'd healed the sick, and everywhere he was going, there was either a riot or a revival going on. And, and so, so people are coming and they're listening and they're hearing. And, and Jesus says these words, Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found, covered it up. And then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has to buy the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in searching for fine pearls. On finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all he had, and he bought it. Let's pray. Father, we just come to you right now, and we just ask that you would speak directly to our hearts. God, we thank you for your word and, uh, and Father, we just ask that you would uh, speak the truth uh, into us today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Jesus gives us two examples, kind of like our case study examples that we gave. There are two opportunities here. And the uh, one is that there's this man who's walking across this field. Now, we have to understand and see this in, in the Jewish cu- culture. This literally could happen. That's, they, did, they didn't have, uh, they, they didn't have you know, their 401ks and all those things back then. So, uh, so the uh, men who had properties and, and treasures and different things uh, for the future of his family, they would take it and bury it somewhere on their land. But sometimes what would happen is that they would suddenly have an accident or something and nobody else knew where they had buried it. So it was literally possible that there was a guy who was walking across the land could stumble upon a, a treasure of somebody else's. Now, in this example, the, the word says that this man got excited in, in what he found. He went with his joy into town, sold everything he owns, and then went and bought that piece of property. The second was about the pearl and uh, the merchant who, who is searching and, and looking and look, he finds something, a pearl that is of immaculate uh, value and he, he goes and he sells all that he has so he can buy this amazing thing. He shows us the dilemma here that man has. That dilemma is that we all have to make choices in this life. God is revealing himself unto us and he is showing himself through all things, through creation and and the church and the world. He is throwing himself upon us. He's showing us his greatness, that he is the treasure of the world. But you have to choose. You have to make a decision in your life who and which way that you will go. 
you know, God is revealing himself to us, and he's not revealing himself to us uh, in a point there. He's going to, uh, to, to bless you, per se, with money. God is showing us that the, the treasure of the kingdom of heaven is so much beyond that. It's so much greater than all that. God is revealing himself into you so that you will know the true treasure which is God himself. It is God in all of his glory. He is the Lord and the King of all the universe. The treasure in knowing God is beyond all that you could ever imagine. Some people are saying, well, I can imagine quite a bit. And yes, God's going to blow all those expectations away. The treasure of God is beyond your wildest imagination. God is greater than all the things that you can even think about. But he says, choose. One, one man, he covered it up and he sold all he had and went and bought that field. Another went and bought the pearl and uh, to this, great lo- this great treasure we, sh- we see that both of them sold all that they had. You know, in our world, uh, we have this fight. It's, it's, a, it, it's a spiritual fight against our fleshly uh, fight. The, 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 our flesh and uh, our desires we, and the, what the world is telling us is what we need is against what heaven and the Spirit of God is telling us. Uh, the world is fighting against, against us. It's showing us all these bright, shiny things that, and that, uh, that people say, hey, this is what you need uh, if you're going to be happy. But once you've come into that world and once you've traveled after that and once you go and you seek and you, you get those things, what do you find? You find that they don't satisfy you very long. Oh, there might be a, a season of happiness, but that season goes away because there's nothing substantial in there. But then there's the Spirit, and the Spirit convicts us, and, and the Spirit tells us to, to go God's way and not our way, and, 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 and we don't like that per se, but then when we submit to God and, and, and we cleanse ourselves, then we find what? We find great joy. We find comfort. We find peace. And uh, God's ways are not our ways. Don't miss that verse 44 when it says that in his great joy, he goes and sells all that he has. Listen, uh, we talked about missions last week and, and the week before I, in our, our sermon, we talked about uh, 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 surrender to God. So and God has been pointing us and moving us to this deal. Uh, Barry used the same uh, uh, um uh, scripture that I used a couple weeks ago, in it, which is uh, Romans 12.1. Romans 12.1 says that if you surrender your life to God, that is your spiritual act of worship. Surrendering to God, the surrendering to the calling. You know, people, as, as, as we, we think about missions and we looked at all the things that we do, we're doing missions-wise, some people get uh, 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 anxiety that, that God is going to call them to Africa and they don't want to go to Africa. Oh, bless you. 
God's not necessarily going to call you to Africa if you surrender your life to him. God may just be calling you to go across the street. God's not, God's not after uh, your things. God wants you to know him and just be obedient to him. A true life with God is knowing and understanding. The picture here that Jesus portrays and points to us is, is that the kingdom of heaven is a great treasure. And that you won't know that unless you surrender your all to him. The picture here is, is that, that, that this treasure is so great that it, it's beyond what you, uh, you... All the things that we have on this earth could, <laughs> could even touch. Some people think if, if I surrender my life to God and, and, and then I'll have to give God my money and that, that God wants me to be poor. No, he doesn't. God doesn't want you to be poor. He doesn't want you to give all your money to him. God neither wants nor needs your money. God has uh, the cattle on a thousand hills. What God wants is you to love him so much that you surrender your own passions, your own desires to his will. And that if you do that, if you surrender yourself unto him, then you will see, you will know the blessings and the treasure of heaven. If you surrender your finances, you know, the Bible says give 10%. And, and this is not, I'm not, this is not a sermon about uh, finances but, or anything, but God points this out, uh, points out great tr- uh, things to us through our finances. The, the, the word says 10% should be your tithe, and then above that should be offerings. Uh, but God is not wanting you to take you or put you in a dire situation. He doesn't want you to be distressed in your finances. What God is asking for and what God is wanting is, is your obedience to him. Will you trust him with your finances? Will you trust him with your marriage? Will you trust him with your children? If you give those things over to God, then see what God does. When you surrender that thought and when you say, God, okay, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to give, I'm going to give what doesn't seem possible for me to give to you. God, I'm trusting you. Take my life, lead me, Lord. And in doing that, God promises you. Not Pastor Whaley, God promises you blessings. It's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like the story of the little girl that went on vacation with her uh, her her family they they went out to new england and uh by by the cape and they they were at the seashore and they were spending 7 days uh out there just having a great vacation and every day she they would go down to the water and and she'd play in the sand and the water and pick up shells and but there was a pier there as well and and every day there was this old man and this old man down there had run a a a, a rough life He'd had a rough life, and in fact, he was grumpy and he was bitter. And he was out there fishing, and uh, they came to find out they didn't even really know his name. The people in town, the locals, just called him the mean one. So, uh, so he's out there, but there's something about little five-year-old girls, right? 
they can just they can just break your heart. And every day she would come and she would say, "Hey, how are you?" That's my best five-year-old girl voice. And and then over the course of that week, uh, this old man, his heart was broken, and he started having a conversation, and he, he developed a friendship with this little girl. And then the day before they were to leave, uh, he, he, got, he got to thinking about his life. You know, he was a widower. His, his wife had, had gone to be with the Lord a long time before. All of his friends had, had passed away, and he, he didn't have much uh, uh, of, of any kind of uh, family or anything like that. And he started thinking about what was going to happen when he died. And he said, I, you know, I don't have anybody to really give stuff to. And over the years of his fishing and walking the shorelines, he'd, he'd picked up many shells, and uh, unbeknownst to the people of the town, he had collected a bag full of pearls. A bag full of pearls. So that night he stayed up and he drilled holes into uh, the pearls, and he made this long beaded necklace of pure pearls to give to this little girl. So the next day, as the little girl comes to say goodbye, and uh, she's, she's, you know, just being herself, and uh, he says, hey, uh, I have something for you. Come here. And uh, as, as she came over to him, she, you know, she, she had been wearing all week this, this plastic necklace, you know, the, the 99-cent plastic, the pink and the blue, and the, you, know, you can get, get it at a convenience store or whatever. And, and she was always proud of that little necklace. And he knew that. That was one of the reasons why he had the idea to get, give her the pearls. He said, come here. Give, give me your necklace. I have something for you. And he holds up this, this long string of pearls. But here's the problem with being a five-year-old girl. You don't know the value of things. And instead of recognizing that there was a long string of real pearls, all she knew knew was this old guy's going to steal my necklace so she ran away from him and went and jumped in the car and said let's go let's go that old man tried to steal my necklace when in fact he's trying to give her an amazing gift of pearls it's kind of like that picture i don't know if we have it uh on the screen or not but have you, have you seen that picture of Jesus? There it is. And then a little girl's holding that teddy bear. And he's got that big teddy bear back behind it. Jesus is saying, just trust me. And she's saying, but I love it. It's a picture of us, isn't it? There's so many things that we get caught up into in this world that we, we love more than God. And we're putting our trust and our love in, in these, these little things, this, these earthly things that will fade away. When God is reaching out His hand to us and saying, if, if you trust me, I have great treasure for you. Will you trust me? 
Will you surrender your life to me? I love you. Romans 12.1, Paul's talking to the church. He says, I appeal to you. Therefore, my brothers, by the mercy of God, present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. You know, we... So we're so blessed to come and congregate here on Sunday mornings to have a corporate time of worship. I love worshiping with my church. But God's view of worship goes far beyond our times together here on Sundays. God says, if you truly love me, if you truly want to worship me, if you want to show me your devotion, then you'll do it to me in your life, through your life. What does God want from you? He wants you. He loves you. He adores you. He wants to have a relationship with you so that you can come to know and love Him. Our point this morning is that surrender is the key to a blessed life. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, You've, uh, you're here for a reason. God, God has brought you to this place on this day for a reason. Is, and that reason is to show you again and again that He loves you. Throughout your life, uh, He's been pointing uh, you to Himself, but, but He gives us that opportunity to surrender before we truly find Him. And the same is true with those of us that have been Christians for a long time. And the truth is that, that there's probably many Christians in this room today that, that on the outward side, if, if you were to look at people, and, and this is what we always do when people ask how we're, how we're doing, aren't we? We're fine. We're doing good. I'm blessed. But if they, got, if, if they really knew what God knew about you inside is that, that you're struggling and that you're hurting and that, that, that there, there's just things going on in your life and it, it's a struggle. You think, and the devil's put, you, put this in your mind, that if, if people really knew what was going on with you, that they'd think less of you. The same is true for the non-believer and the Christian when it comes to surrender. And, and that's this. That when you come to the point of knowing the truth, that Jesus Christ is the Lord, the God, the Messiah, who shed His blood on the cross for you to cover all of your sins, to take away your shame. And you know that that's the truth. And then you know the knowledge of that, it comes to the point where will you put your faith in Him? 
we surrender your life to him. And what you find in in surrender is this. Through repenting and saying, God, I believe in you. I trust in you. What you find is a peace that passes all understanding, the word says. I can remember when 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 I surrendered my life to Christ and I just it just felt like the world was lifted off my shoulders. God has so much that he wants to do in you, through you, to bless you and bless the people around you. But it comes down to this. Will you continue to hold on to what is in your life, what is dearest to you, what you love, or will you trust God enough to give it to Him? Are you ready to stop living a pretend life and start living a true life? Are you ready to, to, to give yourself over to Christ and live a holy and, and pure life? Are you ready to, to, to leave the things of the world and, and begin to live a life full of treasure and purpose? I'm going to say a quick prayer in a minute and then we'll give you the opportunity to make that choice. Maybe maybe God's moving and He's talking to you right now that you need to surrender your life to Him. Maybe God has put somebody on your heart that you know is lost and that you need to go to. Maybe God's calling you to be a missionary to Davis, Oklahoma. However God is speaking to you today, we must trust and obey.